For those of you that listen to the Dogger and Muddy Music Show on a weekly basis, did you miss us? <laughs> I hope to release shows over the last two weeks, but packing, moving, and unpacking into a new house, as you all know, or maybe have forgotten since you like to block out pain, is a insanely challenging, backbreaking, and time-consuming gig. <laughs> Thanks to the drive of my wife, there are only a couple boxes that are still within eyesight inside the walls of the new house. Now, if you head out to the garage, or even worse, the studio, you'll see boxes everywhere. Muddy, our chocolate lab, and my partner on the Dogger and Muddy Music Show, has been a little clingy during the course of this move. He's getting better day by day, but he prefers to not let me out of his sight. When I settle into a location in the house, he must be there as well. Muddy's weird new twist on these moves around the house is that he now insists on being there and being comfortable. So he paces back and forth, and I mean paces back and forth, until I figure out that I have to go get one of his beds and set it down close to my new location. He then immediately stops pacing and plops down on his bed. Then at that point, life can proceed. (laughs) I think he's training me well, don't you? (laughs) Okay, well let's get back to the actual task at hand, a new Dogger and Muddy music show. You're a musical artist. You've written songs, you've pulled together a group of musicians, the jamming with your group has gone into the midnight hours. Thanks to multiple gigs in front of unforgiving live audiences, your musical messages have been honed. Your songs are now tight. Then you used your computer, leveraged software and recording tools to actually record your works of art, and burned music to disc or published it up on YouTube. That's nice. But then, at one of your gigs, someone approaches you at a break, asks you a few questions, Chat you up, let's say. You go back on stage for another set. When that set finishes, the individual approaches you again and says, I'm a music producer. When can we sit down, have a cup of coffee, and talk? Yeah, now things are serious. For this episode of the Dogger and Muddy Music Show, we're going to talk with Trey Johnson, a record producer, publisher, one of the three individuals running State Fair Records, based here in Dallas, Texas. Paul Williams, Scott Davis, and Trey formed State Fair in 2014. Everything has progressed well. In fact, over the last 12 months, the number of accomplishments and successes has been excellent for State Fair Records. We'll start our conversation talking about Trey's musical journey, his commitments to writing good, solid songs, both lyrically and musically, what he learned from hours of practice, exploration, and gigging. His resume is strong. He went to North Texas. It gets a little emotional when he discusses the making of his Spaceman video for his song, Take a Hint. From there, we dig into State Fair Records, the signing of the Vandaliers Band, their other rich bank of artists, John Pettigo, Chris Norwood, the Charming Gardeners, and others. We bring it home with discussions about their new studio, the music industry's fascination with Texas, what it takes for an artist to be successful, and the richness and history of the Golden Triangle, Denton, Fort Worth, Dallas. During this interview, you will hear Maureen Womack referenced a couple times. She's sitting in the background. Maureen is with Rabbithead Marketing and does a great job representing State Fair Records. Well, let's get this show on the road. Muddy, move aside. Let Trey have your seat and let's get started. This is the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Listen up. It's all about the music. Let's check in on the artists, songs, and people behind the scenes. Are you listening? All right, we're here at the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. I'm sitting here with Trey Johnson, one of the triumvirate from uh, State Fair Records, formed back in 2014. Trey, Paul Williams, and Scott Davis started it up. A couple of weeks ago, I, I joined them all at uh, their big annual celebration, I guess, or your kickoff annual celebration at uh, State Fair, the actual State Fair of Texas, that uh, then moved on to eight, uh, eight Bells Ale House. Had a great time. So, you know, Trey, you're one heck of a musician by yourself. By yourself. So, before we get into State Fair, maybe tell us a little bit about your musical journey, how you got here. Uh, well, uh, I am from Dallas. I grew up in Dallas. I then went to college at UNT uh, to study music. And uh, it was there probably that I started to find, uh, you know, I was really just into kind of like punk rock when I was growing up, Dead Kennedys, and, and that was, uh, I was, 
it was in the early or mid eighties, I guess. And then when I went to, to UNT, I really discovered all different kinds of music. And I, and that was pretty much where I decided that I was going to focus at least artistically on songwriting. That's the thing I'm most interested in. I mean, I've performed, I was performing in high school. I performed through college. I, I still perform. I still perform now, but really what I most enjoy is writing songs. And it's been the thing that I've sort of fixated on since that. I mean, I, I, I literally the, remember the moment I made the decision to do it. And, really? And so, and then, you know, you have your four track and you start working and that's the way it goes. And you, you know, you try to figure out ideas or you try to figure out, well, what is it that you're going to write about at that point, especially, and we were talking before we turned this on about the yeah. process of songwriting. Well, in the beginning stages of songwriting you have to decide what are you going to write about you know i mean you have to if you're going to write lyrics which i uh, i love reading and i love writing and i like uh i like the uh, imagery that can be conjured and you know and and so you, that was something that i was like even even in the dead even in dead kennedy's i mean the the, the lyrics the dead kennedy's lyrics are great he's a great writer um so anyway you have to make that decision, which is what, what is the, what thematically, what are you going to write about? You know? Right. And, uh, and, and I don't know that I made that decision until much later and it changes, but you know, there are sort of archetypal themes that you write songs. About. I mean, there's, you, I could, I ultimately you're going to write about your own personal experience, but right. even it is, <laughs> I mean, we all have very similar experiences in a lot of ways. So that's what I ultimately wrote about. Did I, that wasn't the question, but no, uh, that's the right. beginning. That's the beginning of the answer. That's of the right. Question. Beginning of the answer. Uh, well, yeah. I watched the video on one of the songs you wrote called uh, "Take a Hint," and at the mid midpoint, you sing, uh, "Remember me when." No, I remember. Remember when we sat up at night, the shadows on the walls, another small victory to see your chest rise and fall. I didn't do that as well lyrically as you did, but I mean, that's really great writing. That's good stuff. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, that's, that's the imagery, you know, and, uh, there are uh, that particular lyric, there are several moments that I'm referencing that are sort of come, come together as one, but yeah, like the shadow on the wall. I love that. Yeah. I, you know, but I mean, literal, literal moments in my life okay. that I'm referencing. So, and then, and then, but whoops, sorry. Uh, but together they, they kind of create a different image than, than, than each of those little, the, the heart. The, the breathing and the, all those things are anyway, they come from different places and, and together they may, you know, conjure an image in your mind that is very different than the one that's conjured in my mind, but that's great. You know, I've got no problem with that. And each, and, and really this, this song, especially of all the songs that I've recently written, and there's a handful of them right now. Um, it's one of the most, uh, colorful imagery, each yeah. verse, each, each, you know, and, and then, the pro then well not to get ahead of myself but then there's the process of recording the song and putting emphasis on certain verses versus other verses right and uh but that's a whole different discussion <laughs> but yeah I, I i i'm happy with that imagery in that lyric and really across the board i'm happy with the lyrics and the the song was three verses longer when i wrote it oh at interesting the, at, uh, <laughs> there's a and that goes to what we were talking about and i don't know if it was before we turned the recorder on or not but the idea of once you start writing the song my i've learned that the thing that i have to do is stay with it as long as i can and and that's and, and there are um, you know there are all sorts of reasons why it stops but uh, mostly it's you run out of gas or you get distracted <laughs> you know so and just, you just go on to do something else because life seems to be and especially now just a constant flow of things to do and you know and if you find those moments to write songs then you stay in them as long as you can yeah so you get it all down and you then later on you'll work you, on editing it and, totally and tuning it and etc yeah exactly yeah. and uh, you mentioned. Uh, my interpretation may be different from yours. I mean, I think that's great to have that, to, mm. to lay out lyrics that tell your story, but at the same time, it leaves an openness for other people to jump in and make it theirs. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think the, I, I think about what, you know, the sort of what you're getting at with a, a universal themes or universal imagery. I mean, I think about that when I'm writing, when I'm in the editing phase, yeah, like you know what I mean. Most of the time, lyrically, it's about it's. I'm pulling from wherever you know uh, imagery that's probably either touched me or uh, or I've caught, picked up. You know, I mean, there, I've written a lot of songs over the last thirty years, a lot. And I was thinking about it this morning because I happened on my phone. 
Memo 69 came up, and it was just a random sort of thing that was cycling through on my memos on my phone. And it was this I have a family piano at my house that I practice on every day, pretty much. And this day I had sat down and played a set of music and press record. And I didn't think much of it. It was just I played, you know, songs that I'd written 10 years ago, songs I'd written yesterday, and they were all sort of in, strung out in a row. And um, it, it was really, I mean, it really made me feel great, actually, because I, for one, it was a good performance, but... So did you start writing when you were like in high school? Oh, yeah. I mean, I had a high school band called Spam uh, that was, you know, and why anybody starts playing music. Your buddies, everyone's sitting around. Right. And, and you start a rock band. That's what you do. Right. Uh, so I wrote songs then, and I wrote some that I would consider halfway decent, at least decent enough to encourage me to continue doing it. Right. And, and I had a guy in my band who's a, a guy who probably most of your listeners may have crossed paths with at one point or another. His name is Alan Hayslip. And he's a photographer in town. He's played in lots of bands. And he's a, he's, but, but at that moment, you know, I'm 16 and he's 15 or 16 or whatever, however we all write, right there, 15, 16. And he is writing some heavy songs. <laughs> like, I mean, I look really? at what he's writing and I'm going, this is way out of my league. Um, but it gave me a bar to, to, you know, that was, you know, we weren't writing bullshitty songs. I mean, he wasn't, I was, <laughs> but yeah. he was writing songs that were really expressing his experience. And it, it taught me at least, I guess, especially being in his band and then writing songs that I, that I, that I had to sort of, uh, you know, I, not, not that there was a competition to get songs on the band, but anyway, I had to present them to everyone. I didn't sure. want them to be crappy songs. This guy's writing songs like the song, just friends. I mean, they're just lyrically very strong. And so I'd guess he was the first person that really encouraged me. Not, not verb because he's not altogether all that encouraging of a person, but he, <laughs> he, he, he is a, but, but the fact that he could do that, I don't know. It was, it was encouraging to me. So yeah. when, and then in college, like I said, once once that started, and I saw these, you know, heavy jazz players, or what, you know, they don't teach songwriting in in college. Really, it's not like a you know, like the kind of songwriting that I do. Right, it's just something you have to do, and you have to you know pick up from things around you, and you have to do it. And and so, but what I was picking up with, like picking up, was just the quality of music at, in Denton is. Yeah, it's it's you know the, you, you start to what I I guess the thing that I got from it was melody like really because I, I I fancy myself a melodist also you know like I write okay. I like my lyrics but especially in a, a you know fast forward to the band that I sort of in this city was the most successful band that I was in was a band called Sorta okay and. That was where I really, you know, with Danny Bayless's help and Carter Albrecht and, you know, these guys that were, they, you just learn from everybody, you right. know what I mean? And so, but, but I really fixated on trying to write a halfway decent melody at that point. Okay. The, you know, you, you said you don't write songs and, and most, and a lot of people don't have that. Most people don't have the experience of writing songs. Right. I, am around people that write songs. So it's a thing yeah, that we talk feed, about all the time. Well, right. you feed one another, but not, I, I mean, I don't, unfortunately for me, and hopefully this will change in the coming years, I don't do a lot of co-writing. I just write. I, I sit, because I steal moments in my day to do it, and I don't have time to coordinate anything. I mean, Maureen will know this better than, I mean, I don't, it's very much just sort of, okay, I have this moment to write, so I'm going to take this time to write. It's not, let me, I'd like to write with people because of what you just said, where you feed one another, but, right. but I'm around songwriters all the time. So get used to the, like John, Josh Fleming, you know, that's what these, that's what we, that's, the, that's what's always on my mind, right? <laughs> you know, all day long. I'm, I'm looking, it's not even that it's always on my mind. I'm, I'm looking for that, for that hint that it's time to start one. Yeah. And then when I, when I get it, then I try to put myself in a position to, to do it because it is, it, and, and it, it's very time consuming Yeah. to write songs it, but, it, and, yeah. and, 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 and I commit the time to do it happily. Yeah. But it is time consuming. You hear a line or you say something and yes. you go, Ooh, I yeah. can take that somewhere, right? Yes, exactly. And 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 then you you know, fortunately now when I first started, you just scribble it on I've got no I've got pads like every songwriter. Right. Before phones, everything was done on paper. And and I've got pads and pads of that. But now if that thought comes up, 
boom, I can record it if I feel like singing it, or I can write it, you know, just on my, in my notes section. And then, and then it's there for a day, you know, and then, and then later on down the line, then I have my memos that I record and I've got, I was talking to John Pettigo about this the other day where he was like, oh, man, I listened to my, my memo. I got a lot of great songs I'd totally forgotten about because you have this time where you sit and you record it and then you don't, I mean, everything's going so quick, and, right. but it's there, you know, and like I said earlier today, when I had that memo 69 come up and I started listening to all these songs, yeah, it's encouraging. It made me feel good about what I'd done over the, you know, it's, you don't get a lot. Uh, there's not a lot of, it's hard to make money in the music business. So, and it's, and people value, it's very easy to value yourself by the amount of money you make. And it's, we're kind of instructed to do that sort of not, I mean, I don't mean to sound too silly about it, but yeah, but you don't get that in, you don't get that in songwriting. All Most people don't, I mean, you may, you may get there and, but you can't write looking for that certainly. Cause you'll be sadly disappointed, right. but, but so you, so you sort of, you build up your walls and you find your little spot that you do your thing in and then you do your thing and, uh, and hopefully you're pleased with it. And if you stick with it, you, you are pleased with it. Uh, I, I taught both of Maureen's kids, uh, teaching is, a you know, teaching what I just said to you is such a great, important lesson for young musicians. Oh yeah. That'd the, be great. the woodshedding con, you know, that yeah. look, you know, you got to do this. First of all, you got to find a joy in it that exists nowhere else. Right. Then you'll do it, but you got to find that joy. And then, cause you can't be doing it thinking about, re- you really can't be doing it thinking about reward. Right. It's a dead end, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. except the reward of driving down the road and having a memo pop up that you're like, Oh, I like this song. And it came from nowhere. It came from me, and then I can all that imagery that you were saying that the lyric conjured. Then I'm, and I'm going through, yeah. thinking about that moment. You know, and there are s- several from a record that I wrote and recorded with Don Cento and Stuart Sykes after the sort of band broke up after Carter's death. I re- I put out two or three solo records, Trey Johnson records, and one of them is called Mount Pelier, and that one is filled with I think really very colorful and clear imagery. And when those songs, the first song on memo 69 was one from that record uh, called a uh, bragging type. And I, and there are those pictures that you're talking about it, throughout that song. And it's all sort of written from this Denton imagery that I had college uh, yeah. things, but they're very, I mean, some of them are specifically pulled from photographs that were not only mental photographs, but physical photographs. And so then when that song comes on, it's just this, it's like a little movie that I get to watch, you know? And then if, if you're turned on by them, then you can create your own little movie too. Like what you were talking Absolutely. about with that lyric and, and that, Oh, that was actually the original question. And you're right. That is the, that is the sort of those, those, the, 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 the fact that these images are strong enough, I hope to, for a, 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 a stranger to right. hear the words or to, you know, and, and I hope the melody influences that too, but the sure. lyric itself to where they can have their own little movie for the two and a half or three minutes or whatever. The, that's killer. You know I mean? That's, that's the goal I think in song no question. writing. That is, that's it, yeah. you know? And, uh, and so I'm glad I achieved that, that with take a hint for you. Oh um, yeah. I hope, you know, and then I was, I was so struck, I guess, by the imagery that I decided that I wanted to do this video. Uh, with the spaceman yes, and, and the, the city man. and and that was a whole thing and that happened you know you know like i said the the writing and the recording of that song was quite the process and you know from that initial phase at the south side building to a guy named tim o- o'hare that came into the picture he's a he's a producer of, of note um and he had some opinions about the song and and about the presentation of the song and I took them. I took his suggestions. And with his help, he, he co-produced the song. And um, uh, it, it helped me. It was somewhere in that, in that time period that, that this idea of the Spaceman video came. Long, really, before the song was recorded, the Spaceman video was, I was ready. I was going to do that once it all got sort of laid out. And then... Like things magically seem to happen. Uh, right. I ran into at the studio that we were recording at, Audio Dallas in Garland, 
I ran into a guy that had a bunch of film. He was a he was a cinematographer and you know uh, obsessed with shoot not obsessed uh, into shooting and on film. Okay, and he had a whole bunch of film. And so then I was like, okay, perfect. That's what we should do. We'll shoot it on film, and and that will be a kick in my ass to do the thing because then I've now I've set it in motion. Once I signed the cinematographer on and got him sort of jittering about the right. whole idea, then it was then it became okay. Now I I've got to plan this, this thing, yeah. you know. And then and then and and it doesn't take long, but uh, the editing took unnecessarily long. But that's a different story. Uh, <laughs> but the but the process the, the you know the making of it was. Was an, was an amazing experience because, happy coincidence, it snowed yeah. the day that we shot the video. That was fascinating. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, it was, you know, to have the, you know, to especially in Dallas, Texas, right? To have that for the the production value is just, you know, I mean, I, I could not have hoped for anything better. And so, and then it made the whole thing just weird and fun. Yes. you know, it was me and John Pettigo and this guy Will Montgomery, Montgomery and Maureen. And, uh, you know, then it was just a day and a half of running around me in a spacesuit out in front of Campeses <laughs> and out in front, you know, which is a spectacle, yes. which is fun. <laughs> Although the spectacle portion of it doesn't come off in the video. The video is very much about isolation and, and sort of not, in, not interacting with people. But, in fact, the day was filled with all sorts of wacky interaction and I'll fun, bet. you know, with the spaceman and people wanting to, you know, taking pictures with the spaceman and, uh, and all of that stuff, which was you know, those are all things. You know, now I guess they're public. But you know, for me, it's that those. That's what makes that whole process. And when I watch the video, it makes it even richer and more inter, inter, entertaining. And uh, so, well, then at the close, yeah. he's he's you're at White Rock Lake, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, walking mm-hmm. walking to the lake into the beautiful scape of uh, downtown Dallas. That's true. And in addition, there's a mini sort of narrative going on uh, in the background of that. And there is, as I walk into the distance, and this is pretty heavy for me because my father passed away during this sort of whole thing. And, and there are parts of it that I see in the video. Sure. Uh, and this is one of them. Uh, as I fade, as I'm walking to the distance in the background, I'm going to get a little misty. Uh, there's a family and they're walking down the thing and the, and the sun runs off. And then he comes back. Yeah. It's so heavy. I mean, I'm, I'm weeping. <laughs> oh, that's uh, great stuff. No. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. But anyway, uh, heavy podcast, huh? No, right. I had... <laughs> I just... Weird, no, it's cool. Weird side note. I mean, I had... Um, uh, my dad died in a plane crash. So uh, I had to deal with that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, and so I went to to get some counseling help, and one time we did. Uh, he put me under, and it was so cosmic. He, um, my image was of this little boy, in this really sloped hill, and it was uh, red, and it, the whole background was like through a red lens. And there's this little boy with his hair way, uh, blowing in the wind with the with the grass, and then all of a sudden down below, uh, the little boy notices a stream. And he walks down to the stream and follows the stream. And it, it's almost like glass, the, the stream is. It's so clear. And then all of a sudden, the, the stream leads right into this uh, swimming pool. And there I am playing with my dad in the pool. So uh, imagery is uh, yeah is really important. That's a very similar imagery, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, the, 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 but the, the making of the video was, was really such a great experience. And then the releasing of it coinciding with the the party that you went to yeah. was something that we because well, a, a big a big portion of the video shot at the state fair um, yeah and and so it seemed like a natural time and it was on my birthday also as i recall uh so you know the so because i'd worked like i said a couple of years on this and 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 you know i'm not really actively i mean i guess i am but uh i'm i'm, I'm promoting you know as a state fair records as state fair records i'm really looking for i, I i'm artist development, not my development, but other artists' development. And so, but, but I'm still making art. So I have to figure out how those two things coexist. I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. And this, and this release, because there was a batch of songs that I did with this one. And this release was kind of, uh, the beginning of that. I don't know exactly how that's going to, how they're going to coexist because I'm really more fixated on 
artist development. And that's, you know, you, there's a handful of artists that are associated with State Fair Records. And I've gone out in most cases and, and, and approached those artists and said, look, let's figure out a way to promote your band or to, 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 to move you up move, you know, to teach, you know, or, you know and this is where, when I, I, I taught at a school called Zound Sounds, and Mark Solomon and Amy Solomon are both a part of State Fair Records as well, and he's, a, you know, a great teacher and has done a lot of great things for the city and education, but, but, but that's a part of what we do at State Fair Records too. I mean, some, some of the artists that we work with are very young, and they don't, I mean, right. I've gigged all, my whole life. There are people that I work with now who have maybe a hand, literally a handful of gigs under their belt. Yeah. I mean, that's a long, there's a lot of stuff between five gigs and a hundred and th- whatever. I don't have how many gigs there are, but you know, there's a, just time. a lot of stuff to learn and, and pitfalls maybe to avoid or, or things to take advantage of. Although truth be told, the industry has changed so much in the 30 years that I've been a part of it yeah. that it's, you know, I've learned a lot, so I can share that. I don't know that I have. Um, I, I know I don't have a method in place, <laughs> you know, but I have of experience and I have a desire, and I think that that's kind of what's driving the State Fair Records bit right now. Is is that we're we're all Scott, Paul, and me. We're all musicians, right? You know, first before we were anything we are now. Uh, well, not anything, but but we're all musicians, and we have a respect for musicians and musicianship and songwriting. And uh, it's interesting, you know, going. I've been making regular journeys to Nashville because ah. uh, you, you find there certainly more so here. But in you know, in situations like this, I mean, you clearly have a respect for song and music and musicians, and that's not. Not that it, I mean, I, this is a big city. Nashville's not nearly as big as Dallas, but, but it's harder to find that, that sort of camaraderie here, that understanding. And there, man, everyone gets it. It's meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good to see. And it's good to kind of want to, I want to, I kind of want to bring back when I go there, every time I go there, I want to kind of bring back a little bit of that to our city because we have such a great music scene with so Absolutely. many great, I mean, you know, Celine, I mean, there's, it, it is, I personally have played. I mean, it's, it's endless. I mean, it seems endless. There's a really long list of of talent and desire and and all that. But but it's still there's there there's not that that sense of. Um, I think it is among the musicians, but maybe not in the city. Mutual respect, you know, like where what I'm doing is just as valuable as any other job that anybody else is doing, but it's hard, but it's hard, but, but, you know, that is certainly not the same. The, the bread the is, bread, yeah. is harder to come by. And, you know, even if it's, you know, and, and, and I, I love clubs and bar owners and all that because they are, you know, they, they offer us a venue, but even I've noticed even now there's less respect there. And used to, you could find in a club or a bar owner, someone that got what you were doing. Not used to, I'm sure this happens. I mean, I've got great bar owner friends that do well, but anyway, I don't know if, if, if you've experienced this in your, but our, our, our art is always there. Everyone's trying to devalue it all the time. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I mean, you know, you gotta, I mean, you're going to drive out. You're going to play for three hours. It's worth several hundred dollars, man. I mean, right. you know, let's be, let's, I mean, just think, you know, and people, but people don't have any reference point. They don't, you know, someone that has never done a gig doesn't realize just how taxing it is. Oh yeah. You know the I mean? Hours and hours you put into it. Well, it, it. Yes. And, and I mean, for, for a singer songwriter, I mean, it's an emotional thing too. You right. get there and you're like, they hate me. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, it's not cool, man. And not that we need to be compensated for the pain or whatever, but, but at least a little understanding that, that, that a, a little, a, and unfortunately it's one of the only ways that anybody can show appreciation, but it, you know, a little bread goes a long way for a musician. Yeah. And that's, you know, and I'm trying to do that as much as I can with state fair records is to kind of let's huddle up guys and let's go out and try to take this on and, you know, figure out ways to get better gigs. And, you know, fortunately everybody that's on a label is killer. I mean, they, they put on good shows. They're entertaining. They do well at what they do. You may not like, it may not be your style or whatever, right. but, or, yeah, but, genre but, or whatever. but at least let's, you know, appreciate everything for what it is 
I mean, if uh, I know there's bad music in the world, but I, I'm I always and I know you're in a cover band, and I I always get off on uh, on on novelty on uh, you know I'd rather I love to watch. Uh, and I've seen plenty of cover bands do this as well. I like to see people struggle <laughs> when I watch music. That's what I. That's why I don't really. You know, proficiency doesn't really interest me that much. <laughs> Energy interests me when I watch music and excitement. And you know, that's you know, I'm from when I, and I and I got I got turned on to Bob Dylan and that whole trip real late. But I love the chaos that he continues to create on stage. You know, and and I think it's exciting. And uh, I'd like I said, I would rather watch. A musician struggle and fail than I would watch somebody do something that's so rehearsed. It's cold. It's cold. Yeah. yeah there's, you know, like, I just don't get, I just don't feel anything from that. You know, I mean, I can still appreciate a good song and when it's performed well, don't get me wrong. I mean, but, but the thing that I most get off on is to watch people fight it out on stage, yeah. you know, and, and, and that's what our label is all filled with fighters. There's no question about that. Right. People that go out there and nightly work to, you know, work a room when, when someone, when, when you get that vibe that people don't like you, well, what are you going to do about it? Either you're going to just pound them over the head with what you do. Cause it's all you do. Right. Or you're going to say, wait, I'm an entertainer. I'm here. I'm given this opportunity. Maybe I'm gonna. Maybe I'm gonna try to hustle this situation in another way. You know, or, or, or whatever. It just depends on what your approach is. I don't really. I don't care if it's. I don't care if you choose to pound someone over the head or if you choose to be clever about the way you approach it. It's just that whole thing is cool to me. Is to watch a musician sort of figure out a room. Yeah. You know, we started doing this thing at. I don't know where we are exactly, but at Eastbound and Down on Thursdays. And uh, every Thursday, we go up to Eastbound Down from 10 to 1. We're there. It's a showcase for State Fair Records, but it's also a showcase for really, I mean, it's, it's, it's to come up and, and it's not an open mic necessarily, but, but uh, you come up and make your case. I got, I got nothing against you playing your songs, you know? If, uh, and, and so what, and this only been three or four weeks, I guess, that we've been doing it. It was Mark and Amy that have sort of overseen it, and they've done the bulk, they've done the lion's share of the performing. I, I, I don't even think I've gotten up. Last week, Last week it was a really, it was a lot of fun. Pedigo showed up, and and Corey, Vandalier's Corey was there, and, and, and then and Jonathan Ray Walker, who books the place, or Josh, sorry, uh, Joshua Ray uh, Walker uh, was there, and he performed, and, uh, and it was just interesting to watch. You know, you, everyone works a room differently and figures out how to deal with it, right. and, and I and I just like that. Uh, I just like that a lot about music. Fantastic. All right, let's flat. Let's jump back to around 2013, 2014. Okay, and we've covered your 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 history in the music world a little bit, but now all of a sudden you get with uh, two buds and you say, Hey, let's form state fair records. Mm -hmm. Why? What was the objective? Uh, what were you shooting the, to do? Uh, the, the motivation initially was this uh, Madison King record that my partner, Paul Williams produced. He brought it to both. I, I mean, I've been working with Paul on and off for many years. He produced sort of records. I've known him as a performer with tablet. I mean, I, you know, he and I just like most musicians in the scene, if you don't leave the city, you cross paths at one point or another. And he, he'd become friends. And also, um, like I said, he produced these sort of records. So we were more than just friends. We were yeah. close. And uh, yeah, I saw Madison's kickoff at uh, up the road at good records. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and, and it was a great record. And yes. she's a great performer and a great songwriter. Um, and, and so he brought this record to, to... And I didn't have much interaction with Scott Davis, my other partner at that point, other than he had a band called uh, Homespun Remedies. Oh, yeah. Uh, that I was Dave. That. And, and Paul and, played and, with them. And, and Paul played with them as well. Yeah. And, and they had this thing that they did at, at, at uh, Three Links. I don't think it was called Three Links at that time, but, or maybe it was. But uh, th where they would have a uh, feature performer. And that's how I got to know him. Uh, I came up and did, I was doing Mount, pa Mount Pelier songs at that time, I think. But, um, so I went up and did this gig and I knew all those guys. Anyway, I taught with, with Mike and so I'd known them all. And then I got to know, but I hadn't known Scott and Scott's a harp player, uh, uh, among other things. He plays whistles and he plays everything actually. Uh, but, uh, among uh, Scott's a, a fascinating, fascinating man. Um, but so Paul brought that record and, you know, I don't, not that I, I wasn't, I'd had kids and I wasn't really performing that much. I mean, not, I mean, I was still performing, I guess, but not, not much, certainly not like I had been before I had kids and uh, for the obvious reasons. 
and it just made sense that and I had been I had been teaching for a long time with Zound Sounds, which is I find now maybe I didn't know it then very very similar to what I'm doing now and a lot of times when I talk to people I'm teaching them what I know you know if it depending on where they are in the process and um uh, so anyway he brought the record and I guess we all just sort of saw that it was a moment to to take a leap you know and see i mean the the, the i mean the record industry was in shambles i mean it still is just still in many is, ways yeah. uh, but the, but but it wasn't about you know i i, I mean certainly r- terms like record mogul were thrown around a- out of jest but but it was you know it was um it was like uh it just made sense at the time you know and 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 i and and everything since then in many ways has made sense in the, in, in, in a similar way. It's a, you know, it is, uh, it's been pretty magical. Cool. Th- this process. Uh, and, and it is a long process and I recognize that, but it still has, there's still a sense of magic about it. I mean, even the, 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 the sort of signing of Vandaliers and that process, which was very, um, one of those moments I had come across their name when I was in Nashville and it, and it just sort of stuck in my mind and then come back to town. And then sort of one of those days when things just sort of pop up in your mind, it popped up in my mind and I, and I reached out and then I found out that Pedigo had produced the record and I was like, Oh well, shit, I got to listen to the record. And then I listened to the record. And I'm like, Oh my God, this guy's this guy. I don't know anything about Josh Fleming. I don't know anything about the fuss. I don't know anything about anything, but I know that the songs on Americana are killer <laughs> and bottom dollar boy. And some of those songs are just great songs. So, I mean, if I'm in the record business, if I'm not in the business of trying to find great songs, recognizing great songs and figuring out, way to promote it i don't know what i'm in the business to do you know i mean that's it damn right so so i reached out and just like let's do it you know you know then and then set off into that process which has been uh you know i mean whether it's you know while i'm sort of in the it it wasn't that sort of instantaneous actually there was moments where (laughs) you know i go to diff and the the film festival for the i had my daughter with me and i you know, and I'm stewing Vandaliers at this point. I actually that day I had gone uh, back and done, just sort of figured out who this kid was, who Josh Fleming is, and and you know I saw his all you know, saw all the fuss stuff and and was like, man, okay, I starting to I'm starting to paint the picture that I'm starting to understand. You know, I, I love this blending of punk rock and country music. Anyway, I think it's great, but most of the time it comes off as. It, or when I'd heard it, it came off as uh, insincere, or is there something comical, or I don't know, I don't, I don't, manufactured I don't, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe just square. And there's nothing square about Josh Fleming. I mean, you know, he's no. he's writing from his heart, and he's performing from his heart, and and it's killer. Uh, but but so anyways, I'm at the at the film festival with my daughter. I'm walking around and. I mean, I'm telling you, is I mean, is right in front of my mind. I'm thinking about all this, and I get out of my car with my daughter, and up comes Vandaliers hats, like this whole slew of Vandaliers people, <laughs> literally get out of the car with me, and I and I. It turns out it was Josh's, uh, you know, Josh's barber, or was he's not a barber now, but he was a barber at the time, and I'm sure right? he's still a barber if you, if someone wants a haircut, but he's not working at a st- he's not working at a shop. And his partner showed up, and I got to meet him, and I was like, geez, okay, okay, there's more, you know. And this is, I'm telling you, it was so, it was mystical to me that this, no, I mean, I had, I had just sort of been swimming around in, in Josh's history, really. I mean, like, as I, like, okay, I'll be there in a second, Dylan, that's my daughter, and get in the car, drive there, open up the door, and out come Vandalier's hats at me. I'm like, okay, so, seems like this might, you know, there's a sign or whatever. I mean, there, uh, and it was, and I took it as such, and, and so then, and I had already met Josh at that point anyway, uh, but, but then, you know, then going to Nashville, everything that, that's happened with Vandaliers and, I mean, (laughs) with Bree and the fellas, you know, meeting Bree, through a record that I was working on at the time by a band called Politic that I'd met at the Southside building. Then we move into the Audio Dallas building, and we decide we're going to make their EP, and we go and we start making their EP, or mixing their EP. We haven't done anything in the main room. Mixing their EP, you walk out, and there's a guy sitting on the big, who is that, Joe? Who is that? <laughs> you know, it's a band called Politic. He goes, I want to pay for their all their studio time. Pay for everything. You know, okay, and this, this guy... Uh, what was his name? I'm spacing his name. I don't remember it in a minute. Uh, anyway, he, he, he's a wealthy Italian hotelier yeah. who was in town making a record with the ex 
uh, what's the name of the show? Uh, not uh, X Files is in my head because I saw it on TV. But the the you know the 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 British talent show, uh, X Factor, yeah. And and, he, and he's like this super volatile character. He's he's really wacky, chain smoking. You know, argh, he's like a little guy, and he's just argh. and uh, and he had gotten in a fight, I guess, with the X Factor people, and had kicked them out. And he was on the couch getting ready to fly back to Italy. And so, so, so he comes in and he goes, oh, we'll make this record. I was like, okay, great. We'll make the record. So we go and we start making the record. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the next day, literally, I think, or the, or the Monday, you know, Ari is the guitar player in this band. So he gets his band together. I say, I don't know. And he says he'd pay for all the studio time. So we go make the record. So we go make the record, start making the record. And it's going fine. And that band is, you know, trying to find themselves. I mean, one's going to college. He's like this brilliant drummer. And but in comes Ari's girlfriend, Bree, and she sings a song and... <laughs> And, uh, uh, but she and just, so he falls in love with Bree, and then he's like, okay, we'll make her record too. And I go, okay, well, let's make her record. And so we make her record, and I'm really, and it's a, a more sort of uh, uh, organized, for lack of a better term, a, a yeah. session. And so we make her EP, and she's a great songwriter and a great singer, and she's super young. And, and so she and I get to be friends, and I say, and, and I sort of start down this path of artist development with her right. in helping, basically just helping. And, and here we are a year and a half, two years later, and she's doing gigs regularly, and she has a great band, and we're working on our next record. And, um, you know, and she's growing up as a performer because she's one of those performers at that point that I think she studied music in college and certainly in church. I think her father's a pastor. And, um, and, but being and, on stage was a different thing. A very different thing, though. She's worked the Freeman now for she works at Freeman. Uh, she's worked that room for over the over a year, every Monday night and has, you know, honed her chops and knows how to get up there and take take care of business and controls her band. And controls the audience, and then sings her songs, and uh, she's great. So, uh, so that was a magic. I mean, it's it's been yeah. one one of these things after another that has that sort of, and so now it's vibrating. You know, the whole State Fair Records brand with Maureen's help, and and yeah, and, I mean, to me, my impression is your everything's this last twelve months the uh, the. The production and intensity is like moving up the ladder big yes, time. Yes, yes. Uh, Maureen would say it's trending. Yes. Um, uh, uh, we're trending upward. <laughs> the, social, uh, <laughs> the social media term. That's Social right. media term. That's great. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And so it's, it's starting to vibrate now. And so now, though, we have a, a studio, the studio facility that is ready to, to open. We have our new State Fair Records studio. Oh, I didn't know district. about that. That's well, that's cool. The, well, that's the, that's the sort of the big thing that we're trying to figure out. And we're, I guess we're launching it right now. Uh, uh, we're, you know, it's a, it's a, a, a wonderful facility. We'll record anything. Kind of like what I just, you know, that's what I want to see. I mean, I... I, I, I mean anything in terms of VO and that sort of thing, but I also mean anything in terms of musicians at any phase that want to make a record and want to do it in a real studio. Well, let's figure out a way to do it. And, right. we'll, you know, and, and I am a producer, and John Pettigo's a producer, and Paul Williams, obviously, Paul, yeah. is a great producer and is our primary producer, and, 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 and the room is, is ready to go. And the first record that we've worked on that Paul's been working on for the last X, X amount of weeks is a band called Windermere. And uh, yeah. it's a beautiful record, and 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 now it's uh, we're launching uh, that that as a studio facility is is we're going to be making records. We made records at Audio Dallas too, like I just referenced. I mean, Vandalier's records was made at Audio Dallas. Breeze, mine, John's. Uh, but it's uh, I'm you know as the vibrations. You know, I, I have the Sun Records model ah. right that's that that's the model that i sort of want that's that we bounced from studio to studio because you just got to find a home homes don't just pop i mean you said you're you know you've lived in this house for 40 years or whatever i mean this is home right and you got and it takes time to find home yes well we found home now and now we're going to make records like 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 i say the sun records model because we can bring in people we meet people we introduce people we do co-writes you know everything sort of continue to vibrate but where there's a a hive, you know, a place, a gathering place, and then a place where we can make these records, and that's going to be the studio, or is yeah. the studio. And See, um, and to me, that's we're stepping back to the the beauty of Dallas. I mean, I, I part of the reason why I did this show, created this podcast, is because I think the musical history of Dallas and the the musical arts that are here have great stories to tell. I mean, it's it's a really cool place. Agreed. Yeah, and so 
it's a treat to have you here to be talking about what what State Fair Records is doing and where you're go where you're going. The the new studio where where's it located? It's in the Design District. It's on a road called Chemical Street. It's off Farrington and Medical. That's the way I go. There's ten different ways to go. But, yeah. But it's at it's in the Design District, right off thirty five. 1337 Chemical Street. 1337 <laughs> Chemical Street. So your role at State Fair Records, obviously you just said you do some production, but it sounds like you're the, uh, you're the connector at the top. I am, but, I, but I, I, yes, I am the connector at the top. But yes, most of my time is spent uh, stirring shit up, it seems. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, you know, and, 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 but now that this thing is vibrating, things come to, Things are coming. It's it's there's some there's uh the, the ball is rolling. Yeah. That I can feel now, and I can I I have a, a time that I can remember where it wasn't. Right. <laughs> so now that it is, I you know I'm not. It's not quite the struggle pushing uphill that it was for a while. But I mean, it's still a struggle. Um, so my uh job right now is to continue to further the projects that we're working on. In whatever each of them is different, each of them is at a different phase. They're all, I mean, there's a, and so keeping track of that becomes one of the more complicated parts of my job, really. Right. Uh, but then it's now it's going to be launching the studio space because I I know that that's going to be a place where it's not only going to be a gathering place, but there's going to be uh, it's it's going to be an important co- part of the equation. Cool. Um, so. Launching that now, um, certainly writing and recording when I have the time to do for myself. I have really recently, and this is something that I've always done actually, and and only now do I feel really competent, is uh, making music videos. I love making videos. <laughs> I think it is so. I love the I love the process of editing on Final Cut is what I use, but. Uh, it's it's painting, and uh, it's it's really a lot of fun for me. So one of the things that I know I bring for each of these artists when it's time is the ability to produce these videos and um, for for pretty inexpensive videos. You know, I mean, all things considered, and you know, uh, I, I'm going to continue. I like. I like that content. One, I think people respond to it well. Uh, I think on the internet, big uh, time. Uh, you know, it's yeah. a, if you have a picture, if you have a video, it helps. It helps big it, time. Well, it just holds. I mean, you know, TV is no secret. Right. Uh, we've all been held captive of the television set for our whole lives, and the reason is is because the TV, you know, moving pictures is captivating, and you. Right. And now, if there's information that you're trying to share, even better. And that's what you know. That's what you know, whether it's artistic Im- information or. Whether it's promotional information, those two intertwine and it often, and um, so uh, that's become a part of what I do now. That I did it. That it. I mean, I, like I said, I've been doing it, but I really enjoy making videos. I'd like to be shooting this. Actually, this is interesting. interesting. You know, right. this is interesting. Cool. Um, so, uh, but yes, as a connector, I'd say that's pretty accurate. Um, so you top. produce the video. Where, uh-huh. Does it go to YouTube? What, where's where, how, I, uh, do you, how do you market it today? Well, I have it placed on three different platforms. Uh, I have it on Vimeo, I have it on YouTube, and I have it placed on our Facebook page. Uh, okay. Because I'm not generating any revenue off of it. I didn't release the song. The song is not officially... The only place you can listen to that song is with in connection with the video. Okay. The audio doesn't exist independently. So, uh, I mean, it obviously does exist for, 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 for the public. It does not exist unless they call me and I email them the wave, which I would be happy to do. Uh, but so, so anyway, those three platforms is where that's where you can view the video. And, you know, I love it. I, I, I still, I watched it a couple of days ago and I, I mean, I'm very entertained by it. So, uh, and, and the same goes with the video that I, I at least helped produce with uh, John Pettigo's video for some days. And then I did the video for Bree and the Fellows. I don't know if you saw that video that was shot at, at Sons of Herman. And it's a black, it's a, I think it's beautiful. And I think the song uh, is, uh, I, it was one of that session that I referenced earlier that was, it's a very jazz, very smoky, jazzy type of song. And it's, it's, it sounds like a standard to me. And it, I think it's a great song. And, and, you know, I told her at the time that we made the record that we would do a video. And then literally, 
maybe 12 months, 14 months later, it happened. It just takes time. You know, sometimes that's right. a, sometimes I have to convince, you know, I have to constantly convince people of that too, that it just take, you know, if, if we will get to this, but, but everything in its time, you know, I mean, it right. wasn't, it made sense to do it at the time we did it. Anyway, I felt, I felt like I'm apologizing for something. I don't mean to, uh, but, uh, so videos, uh, have, yeah. So I think I went off on a tangent. Like yeah. I said, I wouldn't. What, <laughs> one of the trends uh, for you all is Vandaliers. Most definitely. Which has gotten a nice write-up in Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, some, uh, the Jeff Lyles over at uh, the Kessler said, you've got to talk to them. I mean, they are really, they're getting ready to blossom big time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got them. Yep. But the music, music industry's changed. So now everybody wants them. How does this play out for you? I may be jumping way too far ahead, but I'm just curious as to how the industry works today. Um, well, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and, that, and that's what you want, because you want to give the band the best opportunity right. that you can. And so when the time is right, moving a band upstream is very much that's the way it's done. Okay, so um, that's still well, the way it works. Yeah. That still would be the way it works. Unless you're able to facilitate it yourself, I, we're t- you know we just did this deal with the Orchard, the Sony distributor, and so yeah. we're, you know we we've upped our game as a record label, and so you know it would be wonderful if State Fair Records could be a regional major. It'd be it'd be great. Are we there yet? Certainly not. But ideally, if, if I would I would love to grow with Vandaliers and with John. I mean, when John Petty goes on goes on the road. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with, rest assured, and and he'll grow at a rate too. That that you know, it's it's my hope that we can keep up. But if we can't keep up, then certainly putting them in a position to you know in a in a better position where they can succeed. And you know, you, ultimately, it's dollars. You got to have dollars in this business to to get people, um, to get to get them in. Well, I mean, you got to have dollars for a lot of things, really. But, but, but in the end, the music is going to to to, to rise to the top, or it's not. I mean, or right. the band, or the or the or the or the performance. All three of those things work together, and that's why the Vandaliers are such a strong force, is because they are those three things. They got great songs, they are great performers, and they're tough. And they can get out and get in a van and go on the road. And you'd be surprised at how difficult that is. <laughs> you know, people people uh, don't. I know that people in the in the real world don't know how difficult it is to be a traveling musician. I mean, you're a gypsy. I mean, it's right. not easy. Right. <laughs> and and you and and most bands won't be able to hack it. Right. Vandaliers can. John Pettigo can. Um, and and so. So to answer your question, yes, that is the way it works. When that's a little bit gray, more gray. Sure. That's about that's about you know us as a business making a good business decision too. But it's also us as which I do having the band's best interest at heart. You know right. what's what's in their best interest? Well, I mean, you know, if you go on to a a label that that's maybe not quite as artist friendly as state fair records, you will see why (laughs) that's the case. You know, there, and there are, I mean, you know, there are horror stories for a hundred years of, of people taking advantage of musicians and art. Oh yeah. It's our thousands of years for that matter, but I'm, but in the recording industry, I mean, that's, uh, so the rights to your song is the the story you hear the whole thing, the whole thing, you know, and, and then what that really means and that, you know, performers, musicians, you know, there's a window of time that, that these things can work for somebody. I think it, I mean, I think it varies person to person, but I think there is a general rule. <laughs> and if you're in that window, you better be busting your balls to make it happen <laughs> if you right. want that to happen. Because the window won't op- stay open forever. And, and if a big label comes in, and I mean, I'm not saying I don't have a I don't have some sort of preconceived. I don't know if people are out to get everybody or anything, but it's it happens. It's the real world. You're right. It's right. it's tough. Right. And and so our my my goal would be to make sure that it, that the that, that the magical orb stays intact. And uh, you like that term, don't you? Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is a this has been a, a term that came mm-hmm. up. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. That, that that it's still there, and that everyone's safe. 
but succeeding. You know, that does it sound idealistic? Well, certainly it does. That's that, I mean, if I'm not trying to be idealistic, then then I'm then I'm then I don't have people's best interest at heart. You know, and I and I sincerely do. I want people to succeed and I would like everyone to win. You know, I know that's not what's going to happen, but I can do my best to make that happen as it, you know, I try to do what I say I'm going to do, (laughs) you know, and if, and I don't do things behind people's backs. So if I'm going to do something, you'll know it's going to be done and you'll, you'll, you'll know, you know, not that I'm going to tell you that I'm going to do something. I'm going to ask artists, is this make sense? Does this, you know, we're both learning here. This is a, this is, there's no model. You know, we've all got to figure this out together. And if, and if we're open and if I have their best interests at heart and if they have mine, then, then we're going in the right direction. If we part ways when we part ways, that's so, so be it. But, um, in the end, yes, the goal is to either grow with the band as they become bigger than the Rolling Stones or give them to someone that can at the right time. At the right time. Yeah. You talked about becoming a regional power. Um, yes. It's always interesting to me. My impression is um, within the music world, Texas is viewed by some people as awesome. It's the coolest place in the world. How, how do you think mu- Texas music is viewed today? In, 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 in the, in the uh, I mean, I think for the most part, Texas is viewed as a very special place in the music world. I mean, worldwide. I mean, I, I, now... Uh, that may not make it any easier on the guy that's playing at Eastbound and Down tonight, but but the fact is, there's a mystique about Texas yeah. and Texas music and the culture that's here. And Dallas, Fort Worth, and Denton, the Golden Triangle, though a central. I mean, shit, the, the you know the record that that that, that Robert. John, I mean, you know, there's a, you talk about music history. Yes, Five Hundred Eight Park. Yes, yeah. I mean, come on, that's it's awesome. one of the most important records. Uh, right. and, you know, and and and. You know, I, I was uh, well. I don't want to get off topic. What, so, what, what was the question exactly? <laughs> I, I, well, you, you know, the like, mystique. Well, oh, the, the, the how mystique. people view Texas and Dallas, and and um, I think it's in a favorable light. Uh, I, I, I notice definitely when I'm in Nashville, they look at it like Texas is doing something right because there are bands that make money on the road in Texas, going up and down 45 and up and down 35 and out west. And you, there's a circuit. I mean, you know, the red dirt. Sure. You know, there's a, there's a, there's money to be made, and where there's money, there's interest. Now that's from the industry side, but as far as artistically, I think uh, I don't, I don't get the impression that it's oh, leave Texas. I do get the impression that that for the most part, people don't think they understand it, even though it's really not that complicated. It's right. people that work their asses off playing music because they love music or they want to make a living for their family or, or they've got a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. Those are three real big motivators in songwriting. You and, know? <laughs> and it's also a fascinating melting pot. I mean, the, Most definitely. The, the mu- music that come, has been played here from all the different facets of Texas is just mind-boggling. Yes. Well, and I would argue that, 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 that Denton just dumps... Uh, world class musicians oh, yeah. into Dallas and Fort Worth every year. Just there they are. You know, guys that, that can shred or guys that have musical concepts far beyond, you know, I mean, th- and yeah. they just land on wherever in Dallas and then they start working and, you know, and that's, that's been happening for 50 years, 100, you know, yes, it's going to have an impact on the quality of music. I mean, and what I was going to say that I, before, now that I've kind of answered that question, I guess, but, you know, I, I, I had a conversation with this guy, Jack Steven, that's a producer, that's a, that's a, a&R guy from London. And I was talking about a band. Um, there's a band called Cure for Paranoia in town. And Maureen, uh, we had sort of found them, not found them, whatever. I came across them performing. I was like, Jesus, these guys are killer. And so they introduced me to this guy. And he's a pretty heavy A&R cat, uh, from what I could tell from my Googling. Uh, but I had a conversation with him. And something that he brought up that is true in my experience, and uh, you know, his experience is wider than mine musically, and he uh, sort of uh, uh, confirmed it, is that there's a level of professionalism in this city that doesn't exist elsewhere as much. There's a sense of, of you know, like, like you, Austin is this live music capital of the world. Uh, it's also a bunch of kids playing music, just like everybody else. Right. And 
he, what he was sort of saying is... And it's is, not staying as weird as it would like. <laughs> well, I mean... But that's an old, uh, it's a I pain in the ass, in my opinion. I love it. It's beautiful. If there was no one there, I'd love to be there. I mean, but it's filled. But there are people. It's, there's people, and I don't... And I don't... There's just... Ugh, it's too much to me. Dallas is a big city. And uh, anyway, what his point was, was that that what he noticed... And and he was it wasn't specifically referencing cure paranoia, but but it was in a conversation about them. Is that there's a willingness to work here, yeah. and understand that the kind of thing that I was talking about earlier, where look, you know, no one's going to give a shit. <laughs> you know, you're going to have to go out there and play your music, and you're going to have to do it for the reasons that you come up with. Now, if over time people start to gravitate, you know, or whatever happens. You know, the way things happen, which I have no idea how anything really happens, but, it, but after it happens, you know, that's one thing. And what he was saying was that people in the city seem to have, have figured that out, which is you've got to do what you do for your own reasons. And then if, you, if you're good, you'll keep doing it. If you're not, that's fine, too. But your part of the story may end at that spot, you know, whereas other people's will continue on like your own musical journey. You're out doing gigs. You're growing as a musician. You know, that's that's what we all you know, if you're playing and you're practicing and you're doing what you do, that's the beauty of picking music. I mean, Absolutely. the whole point is that that it never there. It just keeps on getting better. If you yeah. keep doing it, it keeps getting better. And um, and anyway, he was he pointed that out, and I, and I started thinking about it in my own experience. With the, I was thinking about uh, my band, the band that I played in called Sorta, because these guys that I played with, I mean, it was Chris Holt, who was Don Henley's guitar player, Carter Albrecht, who was who was a, a, a multi instrumentalist and songwriter and performer beyond compare. If that makes if that's the right way to put that, uh, Danny Bayless, who is not only a, a, a celebrity in town, but one of the most musical people I've ever met, Trey Carmichael, who I met through Danny, who is one of those drummers, and I know you've crossed paths with them. You're a bass player, right? Bass player. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and, dr- and drums. Well, but then pr- you know the, the power of the pocket drummer. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, Trey is one of those guys. I mean, you're in it. You know, you're, you can feel, uh, you know, you're floating on the beat yeah. instead of being, you know, uh, yeah. which uh, there's... Different music calls for different things. Anyway, I like pocket drummers. So Carmichael, perfect drummer. Ward Williams, pedal steel player. Just, you know, that, that, instrument, that instrument alone is so baffling, <laughs> you know. And he, he's a slide player who just sort of, I mean, I know it was far more difficult than I made. But, you know, sort of sat down and started playing the pedal steel. And then that became a big part of the sound. The point is, all of these guys had gone through the, they'd been, I mean, Danny had gone, he'd played in a, you know, 10 bands and successful bands and unsuccessful, you know, whatever Carmichael, the same Carter, the same. They'd, they'd all been working at, as a musician their whole lives, you know? And then we met when we were all roughly 30 or 30, I think somewhere right there. And, you know, you, you find yourself in a room and you're like, shit, this, this, these guys are killer. We're all, this is great. You know, and then it's, you know, as the songwriter, then I'm trying to figure out how to keep up with all this. And that was good for me. Cause Absolutely. You, know, you know, what is the, you, know, you fly with soar with the Eagles. Don't whatever with the turkeys. Or whatever, you know? <laughs> so, you know, it, that's where I was. I was at this moment where I was like, okay, well it's now that I, I need to figure out how to raise my game and, and start, you know, and every year it ends up being another, you know, even even this conversation talking about you know learning how to be a record you know be a record label starting a record label is you know what are you going to do how do you start it <laughs> i don't know I, uh i don't know so, you know you need a band first and then then you need an e- you know you need an email and then you need a youtube right. page and then you need a facebook page and then you need a gig really you need a gig before that but uh anyway you know what i mean it's uh, yep. but the point is is that what Jack Stevens was saying is true about our city and probably about our state too, but I can only speak for the city. I mean, I know it. I mean, Houston's a great town and, and San Antonio is a great town and El right. Paso is a great town and Austin's great. Uh, but I know that the musicians that I work with uh, are, everyone's at a different phase of development, but they're developing. You know what I mean? They don't expect, they're not, they don't have expectations. I mean, maybe they do, maybe I'm talking out of school, but I, I, I feel like they're willing to work. And then eventually you just sort of find yourself knowing what it is that you're doing. Yeah. Now, then you might morph into something else like I've done and try to do something that's not what you're doing. But I did find myself 
with a with professional musicians, and that's pretty great. You know, it's a real treat. It's a real treat. Yeah, you yeah. keep pushing yourself up, and you, yeah, you keep learning these new sonic sounds. And yeah, just, just it's yeah, a, it's and, a quite and techniques a trip. and personalities and performers. You know, that's been the fun part about State Fair Records. Is, I mean, it is a collection of characters. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it is. <laughs> I'm telling you. I mean, from bass players to drummers to songwriters. I mean, they, they are to to the to my partners. It's characters. I mean, it's a and 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 that's good for everybody. I mean, if as a songwriter, it's great because in the end, you got to have characters in your songs anyway. <laughs> so, Absolutely. You know, uh, so you want more of that. But it is it is proven to be a really great collection of you know characters, for lack of a better term. You know, you talked about the music history and. You know, I feel and 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 for myself, I feel like I'm a part of that, and I th- yeah. and and it's important for and I think it's important. It was like what I was saying about Nashville. You know, there's this family sort of this camaraderie, and maybe that's less so here, or at least uh, it's people. Uh, the musicians don't feel it, but it's there. It's real. You are a part of. We are. A, you know, as musicians, we are a part of something, and and it is special, and it is because it's it's ours. <laughs> you know what I mean? And 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 it does date back to. To the Robert Johnson records, and the, I mean, yes. we, you know, and, and the, whether it's Toadies or whether it's Tripping Daisy or whether it's New Bohemians or you know, all these, you know, and that's just the '90s. And then you know, I really don't know much. You know, I'm I'm a huge Red Garland fan, and I know he played in this town as a pianist for long. But there, there's that whole part of the the, the Dallas music history yep. that is rich, and um, I mean, the blues obviously blind. I mean, all, you know, there's just well, a all, lot, man. You go back to North Texas, I mean, the amount of jazz talent coming out of that place uh, the, is just unbelievable. The amount of jazz talent. I mean, shit, the Eagles. I mean, you know, Don Henley. Right. You know, that's all a part of this, you know, tapestry or whatever. Yeah. But, Bob but Wills it's, it's, it's and the a, Texas Playboy. Yes! Right. Yes. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And, and to me, that's, uh, well, I mean, not just to me, it's, it's meaningful. It's a part. It's and and it's and it and it, and it keeps on happening, and we keep on doing things. And there, and that's why when I watched Joshua the other night, you know, he is certainly a part of the next wave of the the musical tapestry of Dallas. You know, I mean, he's just one of the. I mean, he's from Tennessee, uh, but he's got this. I mean, he's just great songwriting, really. Um, so my stomach just growled. Uh, I wonder if y'all heard that on the internet. I'll, I'll, um, I'll cut this. I'll cut the stomach growl. <laughs> Trey. So yeah, this has been great, man. Oh, cool, um, dude. Well, I really appreciate you asking me up here to your house to do it. I know you're leaving this space, although this is a great space. Headed to Oak Cliff, which is also right. I have a new studio house. there, and I'll yeah. get, and hopefully a few months from now I'll bring you back, and we'll please we'll, do. We'll do it I'd, up there. I'd love to. Hopefully, I mean, I'm I have no doubt that all sorts of things will have happened between now and then Absolutely. in both of our lives. You got because <laughs> it. it's just an endless stream, isn't it? Well, thank you, Trey. Yep, thank you, great. man. I appreciate it. You have My a great day. Sweaty. Yep, you, you too. Adios. Thank you. Interviewing people like Trey Johnson and digging deeper into the world of music in North Texas is fascinating. During the course of this interview, we discussed an up-and-coming band that State Fair Records represents, the Vandaliers. With Maureen and State Fair's help, we have lined up an interview with Josh Fleming, the band's founding member and leader for next week. Josh's talent and energy truly separates him and the band from the crowd. Be sure to check in next Thursday when we publish this interview and explore the potential of this hot country punk band. For more interviews and music information, go to www.doggerandmuddy.com. Till next time, adios. When listening to music, Dogger and Muddy recommend turning the volume up to 11. Till next time.